following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts from Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad, and introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 15 of Flash Gordon Minute. Good lord, we're at Minute 15. Eric, that is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it is, but it's going to be hard for me to talk during today's episode, Brad, because the, the G-forces are pulling my face along the X, Y, and Z axes. Just so much pressure. Just so much pressure. And poor Sam Jones has to act like he's under so much G-force, and it's 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 tough for him. We, we have a very exciting guest here from Watch Men Minute. We have Eric Jack Nash. Mr. Nash, how are you doing today? Hey, glad to be here. It's very cool. We, we've uh, reached out to We've had a handful of guests from uh, the world of the Minute by Minute podcasting, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you uh, a little bit later, deeper into the episode. I want to talk about Watchmen Minute. Watchmen, really interesting film. Uh, a, a lot of love and a lot of hate for that movie. Uh, we actually had a long episode of the, the Mothership Show, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, where we just had a, a nice long conversation about what that movie got right and got wrong. I think it got... Uh, a bit more right than some people give it credit for. So uh, I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, that'll be great when we, yeah, whenever you're interested in hearing more about it and uh, hopefully listening to the, to my show, uh, uh, Watchmen Minute with my co-host, uh, Travis Bell. Eric, what, what's going on? We're, we're flying off into space. There, there's a lot of red pedal talk. And uh, what are we seeing at the beginning of this minute? Yeah, so we start out here, and the first thing I notice is that the layout of the interior of this rocket makes absolutely no sense. There, there's, we got four seats there with the four straps. There's two on either side, and, and they're, they're right on top of each other. If, so Flash and Dale, I mean, they're crammed in like I am on the subway every day. There's the other two sides of the interior. There are no seats. So I don't know why they didn't just have one seat on each side instead of having two sides with two seats crammed on top of each other. Then you've got these four panels on the control panel in front of them that presumably each one must serve a separate function. But one of them doesn't face any of the seats, so I don't know who's going to be controlling that. The other two are at weird angles to where the seats are. And weight was such a factor for Zarkov when he was going to kick Flash off. He wanted Dale on because she was the lighter one. But again, with the way the seats are, you know, when you take a helicopter ride, they, they make everyone sit where they are based on weight distribution to make sure the helicopter doesn't tip to one side. Weight was such a major factor for him. Why not have one seat on each side just so you can have appropriate weight distribution? What if you had two Munsons on one side of the craft and just one Dale on the other side, you know, with the rocket tip over? So I just I had problems with the interior of the spacecraft. Nothing makes sense. Just... <laughs> Well, first off, and we called this out in previous minutes where we, I need someone to have the red pedals. Why would the red pedal be away from the rest of the controls? You, this shouldn't be a two-man job. It's a very small rocket, and any rocket would have one pilot. It's not. This really shouldn't be a tandem bike situation. <laughs> it's funny. This is a, an interesting minute because – it's actually not a whole lot happens. It's a lot of the rocket going in flight, a lot, Zarkov giving – 
a speech while sounding like he's fairly constipated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, he says he built the rocket in friendship. That's what he's saying as he's constipated. But all he has talked about this whole movie is counterattacking. So how is he? He built it in friendship, but he wants to counterattack. Yeah, there, there must have been some. There must be some cut dialogue where he built it because he was certain of friendly life forms in space or something like that. But you're right that all he's been talking about is counterattacking. Which, by the way, I, I I don't understand, and it still has not been explained what he expected his counterattack to be. Jack, when you think of counterattacking, do you think of a sort of doughy scientist? And a girl with a, prom, a, a perm and shoulder pads as the, the best form of attack. I would like some Marines on here. Right, yeah. They're not going in with good army. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> he, he's really, Zarkov is really, to me, he's just this big ball of contradiction. Yeah, it, it's... <laughs> Doesn't have his head screwed on straight. <laughs> Well, he's definitely a case of a uh, book learning over uh, street smarts. Yeah, I mean, we've, uh, Jack, we've, we've talked about this with, with the previous guests, too, on how, you know, just the lack of a plan. And so I thought, you know, let, let's give him some ideas, you know, because I, I'm just, was his thought maybe choose a random building when he gets to wherever he's going and just crash it kamikaze style, just give his life for it? Was he thinking land on whatever planet's attacking us, get off the ship, give the Vulcan salute and hope for the best? Maybe he learned their language while listening, you know, monitoring everything. He radios them ahead of time and says in a language Flash and Dale don't understand. Uh, you know, if you eat, I'll let you eat my two companions. Let me live. I mean, just, you know, what, what ideas do you, do you have here? for? Well, his then life? you definitely don't want the skinny one. You want somebody. <laughs> really, he would want Munson. That's why he wanted Munson. That's why he wanted Munson. Munson could have fed a couple of guys. Uh, so, yeah, it, the rocket's flying through space. Fortunately, uh, Flash is able to uh, step on the red pedal. Did we ever figure out what the red pedal was for? Uh, yeah, it was for the something about stabilizing the G-forces. He says, "Put the red, put, uh, uh, slam down the red pedal or the G-forces will, will destroy us all, something like that. Yeah, I, I still don't feel that's an answer. I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's B-movie, you know, hokum, you know. They, they, they get knocked out. Uh, by the G forces. Well, that's and that's part of what I what I'm getting to is that he really like he like a, he just hasn't thought things out very well. I mean, that's what, what you're saying. I'm, I'm agreeing totally agreeing with you, but for, from before that, uh, yeah, he is his he might be a great starship designer, but he doesn't have the some of the little details for it down. That's for sure of the actual flight. Yeah, and we'll get into that even deeper in the following minutes where. They, they definitely have not done enough to survive this. Ming and his guys are definitely doing everything they can to keep uh, Zarkov and Flash and Dale in this fight. Because this movie could be over at this exact moment. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're knocked out. And then we have some awkward unconscious flirting. Yeah. Isn't that in the next minute? Does that start it in just minute? barely begins. They're sort of like almost rubbing heads against each other. But uh, no, it gets really, <laughs> you know, um, Jack, we've been running into a situation where uh, we're, we're sort of in between action. Uh, and it's been a lot of sort of Flash and Dale meeting Zarkov, uh, Flash noodling things out and uh, sort of trying to get explanations. And it's not Sam Jones's strength. 
and unconscious acting, I think, is way too much for to to ask of him. And uh, yeah, we're really going to see it now, where the, the poor guy. It's Sam Jones is at his best when he's doing some sort of weird football fighting that we're going to see later. And anything physical, he sort of comes alive. But um, all right, pretend you're asleep. It's like you know, my five year old does a better job of pretending he's asleep. <laughs> There actually isn't a whole lot of this. A lot of this minute. I think we get just a little bit of music at the end of this minute, and uh, there's some 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 good music that it del- segues into. Yeah, the, the like the last second of this minute starts. What is our only our second Queen song of the movie? Actually, we're in minute fifteen, and until this point, we've only had the the opening theme so far, as far as Queen music. Jack, what what are your feelings about Queen? A pretty decent fan. I mean, I, I don't have. I certainly don't have all their albums. Uh, but uh, I, I fell in love with them right at the time of uh, Wayne's World <laughs> with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And, and, and I was one of the few people that didn't go out and buy the soundtrack to the movie, but instead bought A Night at the Opera that had it had that song on it. And, and I loved that one album for, for a long time until I kind of branched out a bit more, you know, in the radio hits too. But uh, yeah, and, and what, I, what I noticed on this, on this, on this uh, second song... Oh, you know that I noted too <laughs> is that it is a, a, a write, written by Roger Taylor, who is the drummer, and those drums uh, will come into play here <laughs> just next minute, I think. Right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. But yeah, it's, it's all that synth, kind of more of a, a synthy. Uh, even though quite often they would say in their liner notes, we don't use synths, but uh, but it's but it's reminiscent of that since since we've been through the '80s, the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> compared to the <laughs> the '70s of the time for Queen. And the song is actually is called in the space capsule parentheses the love theme. Remember when movies used to have love themes? Yeah, Superman had a love theme, right? Super wasn't right. Yeah, man, we all love Superman, and Christopher Reeves was so awesome. But some parts of that movie uh, may not have aged fantastic. And the Superman, can I read you? Can you read my mind, monologue? <laughs> can you read my mind? Yeah. It's <laughs> so like, damn, that was. That's actually a little cringeworthy now when you see it. And, and th- that movie holds up very well, but not that scene. And then they released a version of that with a woman singing the, the monologue, Ooh. which, oh. yeah. And uh, tell you what, when you sing it, it doesn't sound that much better, especially because you know what she's saying. <laughs> there's a lot of negative, uh, there's a lot of like, negative memories associated with that. We're sort of at the end of the minute. Not a whole lot of happens. A lot of like a lot of grunting and straining. Yeah, I got a couple of other uh, quick things. Um, first of all, I do love, um, even though it's obviously a miniature. I love the shots of the rocket. I love it blasting out of the greenhouse, the smoke, the explosion. I love how um, the booster rockets turn off once it gets into space, and it's moving in a perfectly straight line. So it's obviously a miniature just being pulled along. But even even with knowing that, I still just I, I love that those shots of the rocket. I completely agree. The rocket's awesome, and it's designed well. It's just fun to watch it slowly go through space, and it's it's there's a lot of miniature work in this movie. We're we're pre CGI, and uh, there's just such a fun warmth to it. So uh, I, I agree with you that everything with the rocket, I, I I was very happy with. And my only other note for this is that I noted that Flash wears Nike, and um, today in today's movie world, that would be an enormous merchandising tie-in. And I'm wondering if back then, it's just what Sam Jones wore to the set that day. 
we have <laughs> we have talked about this. Uh, I used to work for a sports apparel company, and there are contracts upon contracts signed, and they're signed with the movies. They're sometimes signed with the actors. There's a whole lot that goes into it. One example is if you see The Rock in any movie where he's wearing anything with a insignia on it, 90% of the time he's going to be wearing Under Armour because he has an exclusive contract with Under Armour. So most movies he wears Under Armour, especially the Fast and Furious films. And if you ever see him out in public, uh, it, like in um, it, or, like in one of these magazines that shows celebrities are out there pumping gas just like you, he's usually going to be wearing Under Armour because he has a contract to always wear Under Armour. You're right. The, the Nikes that were they were pretty heavily featured in that so I, I wonder if that was if they still has contracts and deals like that or yeah yes those shoes fit and nikes were 1980 79 80 i'm trying to remember where nike was i i feel like that brand really exploded in the mid 80s but they were obviously still a big brand by that point yeah i certainly with my, the bulk of my childhood in the 80s I, I i mean i wore nikes so i have to imagine by 1980 they were uh, a big brand. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I know, gosh, not that long ago, I saw a 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN talking about Bo Jackson, who was, you know, the first like really wildly successful two sport athlete, played football and baseball. And they had a fantastic campaign with him uh, from Nike. And they were saying that that was really when they went from, went into the stratosphere. And Nike's now an iconic brand like. Coca-Cola, Xerox, and you know, but, but before then, obviously, they were still pretty popular. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a it was a good shot. It was a good glamour shot of the shoe. So, I, I think that's the sort of thing now that if this was Guardians of the Galaxy and they did a close up like that, they'd be making serious money off it. Well, and there would then be a Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, uh, um, version of the Nike shoe for sale as well. Off the top of your head, uh, and we'll we'll start with you, Jack. What's a tie-in piece of merchandise that you really remember like popping out at you w- when you saw a movie and either positive or negative where you think, Oh, that looks so cool. Or, Oh my God, it's taking me out of the moment s- seeing that they're obviously forcing this down my throat. Well, there, there's two things that popped to mind. I already had in mind uh, to possibly talk about uh, uh, in back to the future three, you know, Nike's coming into play there too. Uh, and, and, uh, and the one uh, uh, guy of uh of a uh, mad dogs gang says Nikkei. <laughs> he looks down and apparently can read the, the letters in Ike. <laughs> a guy like that probably didn't, uh, probably at that point didn't know how to read <laughs> that well, <laughs> but he still pronounces it in the, uh, in the Spanish <laughs> way you would pronounce it, pronounce it. Um, but, uh, but then, and then, then, the, then the real big take on it, I've, we've already gone through it, one, talked about it once with the queen uh, connection is Wayne's world and all, and all the, all the uh, really funny, uh, ways that uh, they took on uh, the idea of uh, advertising in the movies. That is a great scene. Classic scene. Yeah, that's a great scene. Amazing parody, yeah. especially when they he gave him the medicine. It's like tiny, yellow, different. <laughs> what about you, Eric? Some promotion that really I don't know was almost could be jarring or it could work well. Uh, I years ago I used to watch the TV show Bones uh, with the, the show with David Boreanaz and Emily Deschanel. They're, they must have had some tie, and I don't remember which brand it was, but there was a car, and every episode, they would show the two of them driving in their car, and they would talk about 
one of the features in the car. They would say, oh, wow, we're really tracking that guy well with this new improved GPS 5.70 brand Z that's in this car. Yeah, they all come standard now. I was so glad they I mean, it was it was it was horrible. It was just so bad and so blatant. It's like the 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 screen writers were told we've got to promo this and and they just said all right well let toyota or whoever it was tell us what to say and we'll just plop it and we're not even going to bother trying for me the one that really sucked was also a car a car plug it was uh the show with uh bruce campbell um burn notice uh a decent little silly action show but the one character was driving and it's not a car that you think of as like a really cool car it was uh, a Mazda or Hyundai or something, but every time they drove the car, they they would get out and one character would say, "He's like, boy, that little baby sure did sure did a good job." It's like, wow, that that car really do how to really handles like a dream. I was like, no, you didn't. That's not a high performance beast. That's it's a four cylinder you give to your kid and they don't look too disappointed when they get it used. The the one I remember being like wildly popular was I was it Ray-Ban it, one of the big sunglass companies when they pr- they provided the sunglasses for men in black they were just promoting the hell out of it and I remember talking to a girl who worked at a sunglass hut she said oh yeah some guy came in and put on a pair of sunglasses he really liked it and I said oh you know those are the predator twos that they used in men in black and he actually put the sunglasses down and just walked out of the store without saying a word because because some people get really mad about that sort of advertising which I get not a whole lot happens this minute, but uh, you know it's still fun. It's it's still just fun watching uh, Zarkov monologue while the G forces uh, hit him, and uh, he sounded to me he sounded a little Adam Westy when he's doing that. Ooh, yeah. Recently, with Adam West passing, uh, the comedian Dana Gold, who has a fantastic podcast, talked about working with Adam West on The Simpsons because uh, Dana Gold was a writer for The Simpsons. Adam West guest starred as himself once or twice, and he talked about how they showed a clip of him as Batman in a spinning machine. Krusty the Crown as a you know guest villain put him in and Adam West is like struggling to talk. <laughs> That's similar, yeah. Yeah, Zarkov was sort of had the same sound. It was like, I am struggling to make these lines sound like I have G forces. <laughs> Jack, tell us a little bit more about um Watchmen Minute. And uh, first off, you know, there's a lot of movies out there, and there have been a lot of great minute by minutes. And it's always interesting to hear why people choose specific movies. So, uh, what led you to choose um, Watchmen as one to get the minute by minute treatment? Well, actually, my my co-host uh, Travis Bow, he came to me. Uh, we had met at the at the last summer's uh, uh, Chicago uh, shindig that we had for the movies by minutes. Which, j- just as of can I say, as of recording essentially this past day or so in the uh, Facebook group, they have uh, announced the 18th, August 18th for Denver is, is a go. They got the theater. That's going to be really cool. After, after meeting there, and we hadn't talked about really much, even a possibility of, of doing something together, but but he had the idea of doing Watchmen and Maya, something kind of just came from him. And hopefully maybe at some point you could ask him. That'd be cool, I'm, I'm sure. He might be interested coming on. But it, it's something that I've I've... I mean, the comic book itself is something I've loved for quite a few years now. Um, I didn't, I didn't uh, know it at the time. I was, I was only ten years old about the time it came out. But um, that's a, that's a slightly too young for it, I think. You know, and then when the movie came out itself, you know, I mean, I, I did, I certainly did enjoy it. The, uh, I might have seen it a couple times in the theater, actually, but I, I uh, definitely uh, uh, went right away and and got the DVD 
uh, director's cut too is what we're doing. So that's uh, 186 minutes, three hours, six minutes of uh, episodes that we're putting out for this. Is that gonna, is 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 that going to be a record in the movie by minute universe? I think we got um, the Batman v Superman guys, the DCEU guys, uh, beat by three minutes apparently, um, because they're doing their that director's cut as well. Uh, and both Zack Snyder, interestingly, um, and, and really, I am actually a, a much more, a much bigger uh, Batman fan. But uh, but all all the other Batmans are <laughs> certainly taken care of. We got we got essentially three different uh, uh, vintage eras of uh, Batman uh, right, right. out there. So Watchmen just came about that 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 way, and uh, we talked on the phone a little bit. He he felt like I was a good fit. That's always really cool, and it's a, so so it's something where. And, and I'm always interested to see what the relationship is between the partners where uh, this is my second go around with minute by minute. Uh, I did uh, army of darkness and uh, my partner on that was the husband of an old friend of mine. And she just said, it, I was tossing around the idea of doing a, a minute army, call it minute of darkness, the army of darkness minute by minute. And my friend says like, you really should talk with Ryan because he loves that movie and it was uh, fantastic because it was Ryan's first time doing any sort of podcast and uh, it was great and over the course of the show you could sort of we became good friends by the end of the show although our pilot episode was only the second time we ever talked uh, and it's been really fun uh, doing this with Eric because Eric and I uh, Eric was the one who was really interested in doing Flash Gordon Minute and uh, we sort of got hooked up via the Minute by Minute Guy uh, Facebook group and it's just been so much fun and Eric's a great guy and I've enjoyed immensely talking with him to the point where we took a we had to have a break in between recordings and I was just disappointed it's like eh, when I sort of want to talk with Eric yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, so, Brad. Uh, yeah, I always love hearing that. Uh, Eric, what's your familiarity with the, the, the Watchmen comic and the Watchmen movie? Uh, I, I love the comic. I love the movie. I own the DVD, and I'm actually I am on uh, their list. I'm going to be guesting uh, somewhere down the road on, on their podcast. I volunteered for it. And um, I am a huge Watchmen guy. Just, just a very rough guess. I think it might be minutes that come out in July or something. <laughs> it's pretty far against. Yeah, we're 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 actually premiering on uh, February nineteenth. Uh, that's fantastic, and it's going to be. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the show. Uh, I'm, I, I got to get on that guest list as well. And uh, it, it's a movie with even whether or not you love it, it's a movie that's definitely fascinating to talk about. Because there's so much history with the movie and the, the fact that Zack Snyder went with the daring choice to really remake the comic. Uh, there were some diff- small differences here or there, but he, he was really faithful to the comic and uh, such a brilliant comic. And uh, it's also great. To, you, you get a chance to talk about Alan Moore because he's nuts. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was going on in his mind when he wrote the, this, this dialogue that was in the Original comic, which was very faithfully, really awfully faithfully uh, recreated. Jack, uh, where can people find out more about Watchmen Minute? Uh, it's actually being hosted uh, through my uh, through my co-hosts, uh, uh, other other podcasting ventures, uh, uh, Real Podcast Network, and uh, uh, Watchmen Minute. There is the with the website. Um, but then uh, you know, on Twitter, we're at Watchmen Minute. 
Um, Facebook.com slash Watchmen Minute is our page. And our listeners group is the Crime Busters Listeners Society. Very cool. We recommend everyone check it out and give a like, subscribe, give a good review. The more reviews and ratings you get on iTunes, uh, the more visibility Watchmen Minute. And, you know, also be sure you're subscribed to Flash Gordon Minute that you're rating and reviewing us. We'd love to have the ratings and reviews because we also want more visibility. Uh, and Eric, uh, wh- where can they uh, where can they find out more about our Flash Gordon Minute? Yes, we have our fan page as well on Facebook, the Flash Gordon Minute Listeners Vortex. Chat with us about the movie, the podcast. Email us at flashgordonminute at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod. All right, very cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun. It's been a great first episode. Jack, thank you so much for doing this. And you're going to hang out with us this week, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. I'm here for it all this week. It's going to be great. And Eric, this is a lot of fun. But I'm not going to lie, I'm a little worried. All right. They're bringing back the TV show Murphy Brown. And that's okay. Oh, I saw. But that. just they're bringing back so many, so many shows. It's just a matter of time before they bring back Who's the Boss, and that is a sign of the end of days. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're worried about Tony Danza coming into your life again, because he always is named Tony in every show he's in, I guess he can't ever remember anything else. Don't worry about Tony Danza, because Flash will save every one of us. Attention listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at FlashGordonPod and join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for our next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute.
look at me, quivering like the little girl, shivering. You can see right.